We work hard at being healthier. And what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. All right, well, welcome to the After Hours Show. I have some special guests on tonight that I actually have been looking forward to talking to on the confessionals for a while. just never really thought it would come underneath these circumstances. I have Wes Germer and his brother Woody on tonight. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. Doing good, Tony. Good. It's been a while since we've talked. It's, uh, it's good to hear your voice again. Oh, thank you, thank you. Woody, uh, I hope you have the fruit snacks in hand. You're good tonight. <laughs> you, you've been listening, obviously. That's, that's good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I actually I actually binge-watched uh, the Renegades podcast today. So, oh, yeah. nice. So um, we're here on the After Hours show, and we're talking about the uh, episode that we just released today, I Killed Bigfoot. And both of you guys had the opportunity to listen to this show before we released it. And, uh, you know, just I guess we'll start off with just some general uh, thoughts on what you guys heard. Uh, Woody, let's start with you. Yeah, you know, I was uh, I was actually really uh, I was really involved in the uh, in the interview that you did. I thought it was really honest. You know, it was kind of uh, I believe his name was. Brian, I believe it was his name. Uh, he yeah. was he was super honest. Kind of has that uh, country boy vibe, and uh, is not afraid to pretty much just tell you how it is. And he said a lot of things that uh, to me make sense uh, based on a hunter's perspective of what actually happens out in the woods. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you this, Tony. I think, um, I think his story is pretty legit. I really do. I was I, there was a lot of things that he said off the fly that you can't make up, and uh, I I was pretty impressed. I was very impressed. There's there's a lot of things that the questions that you had asked him um, about the you know um, black uh, the, the black uh, sas- sasquatches uh, versus the red ones, and he was he was pretty much uh, he had a, a really good explanation on how the black ones were somewhat friendly you saw their backside as you know they're trying to back out of the forest whatnot and uh how much he actually hated the red ones so um i mean you know he was he was definitely very involved it was great it was a great interview probably one of the better ones i've ever heard yeah i thought it was uh fun to talk to him and stuff uh and i i just for me personally i know uh i can tend to be a gullible person but when i walked away from this interview i just I really enjoyed what talking to the guy and I walked away feeling like this guy legitimately did this. And I knew right there that this show was going to be something that, you know, it was going to be a touchy subject. Uh, Wes, what did you think about the show? Well, first of all, I thought you did a great job with the interview. It's hard to, because you got to be about three or four steps ahead to ask the right question. And then in the same breath, you got to be listening to what someone's saying. And so you got a good, you a really good talent for that, Tony. 
Uh, I thought the guy was entertaining. I thought he was like the most entertaining guest I've ever, you know, he's like, I don't give a goddamn, you know, I've blown his yeah, head off. I blew his damn head off. <laughs> uh, and he was very entertaining to listen to. I mean, it's the type of guy you'd, you'd want to sit across the table from, drink a beer, and, and, uh, <laughs> I'm still laughing about some of this stuff. You know, Bob Garrett told me the same thing, uh, and I and I about the red ones versus the black ones, and I never really knew. There was never any real explanation. You wouldn't think a red one would be more. Um, any, it's just a different color of the same animal. But uh, I've heard other people say that the, that the auburn color, the the reddish auburn, is is more aggressive. I heard that too before, and so that kind of caught my ear and. There's just a lot of little details that I picked up, and I've listened to the interview a lot now. I mean, I've listened to it every day this week and just trying to just really grasp what he was talking about. And there's just so many minor little details as I'm driving my truck that I pick up and I wish I could write down so I could remember. But it's just he started talking about things during this interview that if you're not into the Bigfoot thing, you shouldn't know unless you actually have seen these things. Uh, one of the things that he was talking about was the power line cutouts and uh, how he feel, feels they kind of like follow those cutouts. And I just found that interesting because he had no idea that that's a, a common thought amongst the Bigfoot people. Um, but uh, yeah, as far as him actually uh, shooting this thing, now one of the things that I saw online when I posted the promo video, some people were commenting uh, 12 gauge with a question mark, like really a 12 gauge. I'm not a hunter. What do you said? You're a hunter. Wes, I know you've mentioned about hunting. I've never been hunting before, so I don't know what takes down what. So you guys tell me, you know, with his ammo and how he was talking about the details of hunting, uh, how that could relate to the possibility of taking one of these things down. With the 12 gauge shotgun, pretty much anything within close range is dead. Especially if you're using a, a heavy turkey load, uh, anything, especially, and you said he was using a three and a half inch mag. So, um, anything within a, a close distance is, it's not going to survive. And so he, he was spot on with that. Uh, and he even mentioned later in the interview, Tony, when you were talking to him, he, I think he said he was like, uh, 150 yards, 200 yards away from him another time. And he, he, he put a couple in the air and they turned around when they went the other way. And, and, and of course, uh, a 12-gauge shotgun is not meant, especially with a, a turkey load in it, is not meant to go that far. It's more of a noisemaker. So he was pretty much spot on with everything he said as far as uh, his hunting skills, uh, the way that he he was tracking them in the forest. And uh, and he even, you know, he was spot on about uh, when he gets nervous and he started backing his way out. I mean, he had he had the most uh, the most realistic hunter experience if you were put in that position and uh i really think he was he was spot on on everything i I hate to you know there's nothing that i can really pull out of this interview and say that he was he was full of crap there's just i can't you know and and uh and he gets he gets further you know and there was a time when um you started talking about the uh or he started talking about the black suvs pulling up and the game warden and all this and then you came back to that later in the show and uh, I know I'm kind of jumping ahead, but you came back to that, and you asked him further questions, and he didn't have time. He didn't have time to sit and think about that, and he was, and he immediately answered your questions um, based on a hunter perspective. And uh, I was really impressed. I, I, th- I think it's, I think it's a real deal. 
Yeah, Wes, as far as those agents go, now you've talked to people who say that they've seen these agents come on to the scene after something has happened, whether it's most of the time it's a sighting. And you heard him describe these agents come up on him. Wes, when you heard that, what did you think? Did you Was there anything that stuck out to you as far as things that you've heard before, similarities or differences? Yeah, I think it sounds about spot on. I think he's, I think he's spot on with what I've heard uh, when they show up. And so, I, yeah, I mean, everything he said was I've heard before in different situations, whether, you know, what happened down in Texas and that I, even down in Texas, I've heard it beyond that. Um, going back to what Woody was saying, you know, he was only, what, 15 yards away when he when he pulled the trigger? Yeah. I could see that taking a face off. I mean, you're going to do some damage uh, right. at that with the 12-gauge. Yeah. yeah. When he says he busted him, he really busted him. Yeah. At 15, 20 yards. Yeah. Nothing surviving. I'm sorry. No, because it doesn't have time to kind of spread out at that point. So I could see him blowing a half the face off that thing. Um, I wanted to ask you, Tony, what who called the game warden? That I don't know. I don't know, and I don't think he knows either. Uh, he said that the timeline is this. He kills it. He backs out. He gets his friends, shows them the, them the body. The body was moved about 300 feet away. They leave. He invited, I think he had BFRO come out the next day. They wouldn't go in to see the body. He said it was there, but they wouldn't go look at it. They left, and then the next day the agents show up. And so I didn't really think about this during the interview. Cause like you guys said earlier, I mean, you're, you're all, you're already trying to think two steps ahead during an interview. And so you're listening to the person, but also trying to write down your questions and things like that. But to me, after listening to the show several times, I wonder if he was hinting that he feels that the BFRO called well, now I didn't want to. I, I don't want to suggest that you know as a definite. I don't want people right. thinking that that's what I'm saying, but because he did say during the interview that he doesn't know who uh, took the body. He he felt he said my friends could have taken it, the BFR BFRO could have taken it, uh, and then kind of in the same kind of breath, he suggested that somebody called. You know the guys at the uh, siege of Hanabi, or Hanabi, yeah. Hanabi. However you pronounce it, um, they actually they kind of have the same story. Uh, they had called the BFRO. Everyone knows the story, and and the BFRO came out, and it was after they had shot one, or actually I think they came out during the time that they shot one, um, and then shortly after that, the game warden sitting on these people's property on these on these brothers' property. Um, I think he even went beyond that. He used to see blacked out SUVs sitting on his property, and so yeah, I mean. I hate to say the BFRO called, but that just seems weird that all of a sudden the game warden shows up, you know. And and it's interesting, too, what the game warden had to say to him. It really wasn't – I don't think he spoke to a game warden between you and I, but uh, it was interesting what the guy said. You know, it's almost he acknowledged the whole thing. Don't do it again. Yeah, and, I mean, I, I did kind of ask him about that because he said that they told him that – you can't kill these things because they're endangered species. Like they, that's what he said. They told him that they're endangered species and you will go to federal prison for killing one of these things. And I asked him, I said, well, how can they kill or how can they put you in jail for killing something that's not supposed to exist? And that's one thing that I've brought up before in something, probably one of my videos that 
you know, the, the whole idea is, that I feel is, you know, if you killed one, I don't understand why they would be upset because they're not supposed to exist anyways. If they're not coming out and admitting that they're in existence, then how can they ever have any grounds to come at you with killing one? It would be them admitting that they knew they were there. And so I kind of asked him about that and stuff. And he just said that, I guess, if, from, from what I gathered, it seemed like he was saying internally that they're endangered species. Inside, inside the house, everybody admits to each other, yes, they're there, they're endangered, there's not a lot of them or whatever. But externally to the world, they say, nope, not there. Uh, and, you know, there's so, there's so many different reasons why that could be, you know, like I, just for the idea, if they were endangered and they don't want people going around killing them off uh, for poaching reasons, I don't know. But I did find that interesting. And with those agents popping up on the property uh, and just the way he described it and stuff, I mean, and Woody, you were right. I mean, when I came back and stuff, he he didn't hesitate. He just he rattled off these details. And uh, and, he, and he also... See, I don't know if uh, I'm not a detective or anything, but when I listen to somebody talking, like he corrected himself a couple times throughout this interview. You know, when he was when I asked him how many people showed up, he initially said three, and they said, "Nope, I take that back, four. And so things like that, for me personally, I'm listening to him like it kind of lends authenticity because he's he has the details in his mind, and he corrects himself because uh, he knew he was wrong. Does that make sense? No, that, that makes absolutely absolute sense. And I actually thought the same thing, too, because uh, when you were talking to him, he's like, OK, three vehicles and four uh, four there was four vehicles or blacked as blacked out SUVs. And so he did correct himself in a good manner. And uh, what I really what I really thought. what So let me back up a little bit. So, Tony, I'm going to go against what you're saying a little bit. I think I, about what you said a little bit earlier. I okay. think I think that um, if you in West, too. I think if he actually thought that the BFRO had, uh, let's say, turned him in or however you want to say it or turned in the turned in the Bigfoot and he actually thought that this is the type of guy that would step up to the plate and say, hey, you know, they did that. I think that I, I, I feel like that they did that. And I know where you guys are coming from because I got the same type of vibe and I was just making my own uh, my mental my mental note thinking, OK, well, so it was a BFRO. But you know what? This is the type of guy that would say, hey, these guys busted me. Or these guys, not busted would be the wrong word. These guys are the ones that called in the the Bigfoot that I put down, and uh, they're responsible. But he never said that, and I think this is the type of guy that would have said that. So, uh, you know, he went on to say, hey, it was, my, it was my buddies that could have done it. It was possibly that, you know, the BFR, he went through everybody that he had told or had been part of this situation. Um, so I don't really think he knows, and I don't think uh, I don't think he really knows who did it. Um, but the thing is about the interview that really um, kind of stuck to me was, and I hate to go backwards on mine and Wes's encounter too as well, but it was the same type of thing. Hey, you know, it, it a day later the military showed up. There was helicopters. There was. Uh, it seemed to be like a, a federal agents or some sort of people there, and we were actually followed. We were followed off and ran out off the property. So uh, I know where. So everything that he had said is some some of the things that Wes and I also have been through, and so it really stuck to me. I was like, okay, well, this guy, he's pretty much uh, telling me the same story that kind of happened to myself at some point. Uh, it was it was very close and. I just don't, I, you know, I, I really bought into his story, and I think it was probably one of the best interviews I've ever heard, uh, and I don't think he was lying at all. And, and 
And, and Tony, some of the things he had said when you come back and you, and you reiterated the same question, only turned around and twisted a little bit, uh, he had almost a better answer the second time around than he did the first time around. So uh, it, it was great. Brian's a great guy. He's the type of guy that, I, you know, I hope you got his contact info. I know you did. And if uh, he ever needs somebody to come out and, and be uh, a so-called investigator or researcher, hey, I'm down. Wes and I are both down. And I know you will be as well. So. I, I think it would be a great trip for all of us if he if he's okay with that, you know. Yeah, I mean, side note: if you guys are willing to travel to Ohio, I'm more than fine driving to Ohio. I'd be fine with that. But you bring up a good point about the whole researches and everything because, you know, before that he said he didn't know who took the body, and he legitimately said, "I don't know who took the body. It was just gone." And so, and and when you related to the idea earlier in the show. Right in the beginning, he talked. I forget how he stated it to start the conversation off, but he started talking about um, other reasons. Oh, that's what it was. He said he wanted to keep the private, the property private, as far as address goes, because of all the idiots out there referring to the the so-called researchers. And so, this is a guy that who has reached out to you know certain amount of people. I know that for a fact because in private conversation he. he mentioned some people that he reached out to. They didn't take him serious. They didn't give him time. And uh, the more he tried reaching out to them, they eventually would block him. And so I don't understand why that happened. You know, there's two sides to every story and all that stuff. So I'm not going to make assumptions on anything. But um, you're right. This is the kind of guy that if he thinks something, he's going to say because that's just how he handled the entire interview. Yeah, I guess I can say this because I'm a listener and not the host. And Tony, you, you, I don't want you to answer this question, but I want to ask Woody. Um, no, <laughs> Just kidding. The, the, did you get the feeling like he maybe fabricated the part where it was uh, coming after him? This guy has such a hatred for him, and he, I, I don't want to. I'm not saying he's a liar. That's not what I'm trying. I'm saying that portion almost makes me wonder if he almost came up with that to as a story to the game warden to people and i don't blame him for doing that but um did you get that impression or did you get a feeling like he was straightforward and it was he honestly felt i don't think this guy fears anything or anyone i don't either i don't and i don't and that's that's the whole reason why i'm asking the question because um this guy and you know king kong walk into a alley there's only one coming out and it ain't the monkey I really think this guy has no qualms about, you know, um, as I listen to the story. But what do you think about that? So here, so here's my take on it. I think the guy would pretty much bust or bloat anybody's head off that <laughs> crosses. <you know? laughs> uh, I don't know if that should be a funny note or not, but I laughed. Uh, so, so here's the deal. So here's the deal with Brian, and this is this is the take that I got out of it was when he was explaining when he was, it was okay. He's a true hunter. Well, we all agree on that. I mean, the guy he has he he hands down is is probably a master hunter. Uh, he's he spent a lot of time out in the in the bush or the woods, whatever you want to call it, in the timber. And I really think he has. So he's describing um, the, the time, one of the first times he had seen Big, or, uh, Bigfoot, and he's you know he's all cameled out. He's sitting in, he's sitting in the chair. 
uh, or not in the chair. He's up against a tree and it's all camo and stuff. And so this guy, this guy has been around. He's been around a little bit. He knows to hunt. He's saying, hey, you got to use scent blocker. You got to do this. You got to do that. These are the steps that you got to do in order to to get what do you what do you call it the the big go- the gobble uh, <laughs> the gobbler the yeah. big gobbler the big gobbler <laughs> the gobbler right yeah. Yeah. yeah and so you know he de- he definitely he definitely knows what he's talking about well here's here's the part where it kind of got a little bit sideways for me to where I felt like he might be uh, he may be talking uh, be, okay so you all know what CYA is cover cover your cover your uh, right. CYA so. I think that's pretty much what he was doing. I, I think he might have been startled by the creature. Uh, maybe it did get too close. I'm not sure. He made it sound like it was it was having an aggressive stance. Is that is that kind of is but that is that where you're going? Is that what you're yeah, talking about? Is that where and that's what about? I was wondering about. But you know, he did shoot. I I honestly believe this guy. Um, and if he hit it at 15 yards, that's pretty damn close. It's it's closer than it's closer. It's too close for me. Yeah, and so yeah. maybe he's right. Maybe it did. You know, start to do a mock charge toward towards them. I don't know why I brought that up. I was just thinking at the time. I almost wonder if he would change that part of it because the game wardens and the you know everyone's coming up, and so it's it's you know you you can kill a spotted owl if it's attacking you, right? Or a bald eagle. If right. you're being attacked by a bald eagle, I, can, I, and if you have a decent story and you can justify it and show exactly what happened, I, you know. And he even brought up the bald eagle thing, so. Uh, you know, I I don't know. I mean, that's that. It's not really a major point. It, it's not. It's not going to make or break the story for me, really. No. Um. It's 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 kind of one of those things where you might say something to stay out of prison. Uh. I I don't know, but uh, that could have been that could have been a little bit fabricated because I tell okay. And and this is why. Let me finish, because yeah. I know you're going to say something. So let me finish. So if I see a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch, and it, I would never let it get fifteen or twenty yards from me before I. Before I blow his damn head off, like, as, as far as he puts it, right? Right, right. So it's it's gonna happen before that point, right. um, and and he said, you know, he said it actually came up, squared up, uh, had had an aggressive stance. Very well could be. I mean, yeah. very well could be. Um, I, gu- I guess maybe I take back my comment because he did hit it at 15 yards, and that's pretty damn close. That's hell of a lot closer than I would have it. Yeah, yeah. and so maybe it did charge him, but uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, Tony. <laughs> Woody and I are just taking over. <laughs> no, hey, no, welcome to fine. the show, Tony. Thanks for being here tonight. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> we're, we're, combina- we're combining three shows tonight. Renegades, right, yeah. <laughs> Confessionals, <laughs> Sasquatch Chronicles. Uh, All equal hosts. Right. Uh, no, but I understand what you guys are saying, and I, and if, I, if I'm hearing you right, it's, it almost sounds like... Um, like possibly if you want to go down this narrated path of what could have happened, maybe he doesn't like these things. Clearly he doesn't like these things. So whatever that reason is, he hates these things, not even dislikes. He hates these things. He even said that. And yeah. right. And yeah. so maybe, you know, I'm just playing along with your story. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to back up what I think after this, you know, you can say that, you know, if he hates these things, he sees it going through the woods and he blows it away and he's almost like proud of it. He's like, I'm, I'm glad I did that. You know, I've been wanting to, ki- you know, take it out. Uh, and then, you know, when the agents show up, he, you know, starts changing his story because they're like, dude, you're going to jail. And he's like, whoa, 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 I was defending myself. And as a hunter, you would understand maybe that there's certain things you can say to kind of get out of killing Absolutely. something you shouldn't have killed. Yeah. However, I would say that to back, to back up his story and to kind of, do the opposite here um there's two things actually one 
before he told us his third encounter, which is when he killed it, the second encounter was he had a gun in his hands, he lit one up with his flashlight at night, and he didn't shoot it. He didn't kill it. He didn't fire at it. That's true. That's true. And so I got a counter to that when you're done, but go ahead. Okay. Go ahead, Tony. So in my mind, I'm like, he has a gun on it, and he doesn't shoot it. Uh, he lets it go. And on top of it, I would say that if he if he is what he described he is in the situation and from what I now I don't know because I, like I said I don't hunt but it's to me it sounded like he was sitting down low almost like a, against a tree uh, covered up in leaves disguised mm-hmm. he even talked about the scent like he he disguised his scent like he he sounds like the kind of guy that goes all out when he's hunting and he was hunting this gobbler for years and so <laughs> what he, this thing, monster, that part was monster, monster gobbler monster shaking gobbler. the trees <laughs> <laughs> so he he wants to get this thing bad and he and uh, he's out there for one specific gobbler and so he's all decked out in camo whatever that is and he and he even said in the interview i looked like i was a walking tree and so when he sees this thing he moves and when he moves, this thing sees him. And so at that point, maybe he, because he said, I told it to get, get out of here. And it came towards him. Now, I'm just saying, if he's totally decked out in camo and he is as disguised as he says he is, and his scent isn't even of a human, does this thing come over to it almost out of curiosity? And then the closer it gets, the more aggressive it gets because. Maybe it's not sure what it's looking at or it does know what it's looking at and it feels threatened. Yeah, I can go with that. Yeah. And he seems like the type of guy, too, that would just say, hey, I blew its head off. And, uh, you know, I don't know why I asked that question earlier. I'd I'd like to strike that question from the record, Your Honor. (laughs) (laughs) It's already been typed up. (laughs) Tony, I think uh, I I didn't mean to interrupt you. I think I think you have a really good point. And I didn't even think of that point, actually. and it very cool, it very well could be that uh, Bigfoot is thinking this is a it could be a possible another predator or something equal or or less or more um, you know that could be a problem and then I might have to you know have to take a stance with and be defensive with. I didn't really think of that part, but the part that stood out with me was uh, when you even even you said that he said he saw one was it a black one in the field and that could be I just saw that was it a black one in the field he didn't he didn't blast. When you know he what? Went I can't on. remember. I don't know if he said. So I think. So I think he basically he saw one, decided not to take a shot. Well, here's here's my deal. When you asked him later in the show, you said uh, you said Brian, would you uh, be willing to have people come out and investigate this and do something? And his his first response was, as long as I have my deer tags filled. <laughs> so if so if if it's hunting season, if it's deer season, and he's trying to fill his tags, well, he's going to blow the damn head off. Right. So I think at that point, if it wasn't deer season, if it wasn't something like that, maybe he won't take the shot, you know, and it could have been, it was, it's, it's kind of funny that he took the shot, uh, based on, you know, he was actually turkey hunting at the time. So that doesn't, that doesn't fit, but you know, you know, he was upset about running all the deer off. He had made several comments throughout the show about, uh, you know, and the dog food disappearing, uh, the deer on the trail cams would disappear when it was during hunting season. And, uh, you know, based on that, you know, it might be one of those things where it's like, hey, man, you're taking my food away. I'm going to take you out type of thing. I guess is where I'm going with it. So, uh, you know, and his story could, and I don't know, you know, his story could have been like, uh, you know, it was, it took a aggressive stance. It took a charge at me. 
you know, was it deer, was it during deer season? Was it during turkey season? It was actually during turkey season. But if something is taking your food, you, uh, humans have the ability to, uh, you know, be like, Hey, you're done. You're taking my food away. I'm going to take you out. So I don't know. With that being said, uh, yeah, I think you kind of get the, you get the just where I'm going with that, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. That was a lot of blah, 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 blah. I saw these comments sometimes online this week with people sharing, you know, just little snide comments. And, you know, I I don't say anything. I just let people say what they want to say. But the whole idea of a 12-gauge taking one of these things down, uh, in my mind, I didn't really, like I said, I don't really know exactly the power or whatever. Um, But what kind of got me was... Uh, the idea that he knew a single shot 12 gauge wasn't what he needed. Uh, later, later in the show, he mentioned that he had a, um, I think he said he had a single shot when he heard the howls go off or something like that. I can't remember exactly. And he was like, I'm out of there because I, I can't take these things on with just with the, the kind of ammo I was packing. And so the idea of what he had in hand and he referenced the idea that whatever he was hunting with uh, for the turkey may not have been totally legal because <laughs> after the feds came out, he's like, now I do everything by the books. And he's like, yeah, it sucks. <laughs> well, he had – so he was running with five shells in his gun. He had made right. that comment earlier in the day so or earlier in the interview. So he had five shells in his gun. You're only legally able to hunt with three shells in a 12-gauge shotgun. So he was already he's breaking breaking the rules by doing that. But you know what? There's a lot of hunters out there that do that. That's yeah, not something. take the choke out. There's, yeah, they take the choke out and they run it for five or whatever. However, whatever whatever your barrel have sometimes sometimes are more than five. Yeah. Um, but legally, you're only you're only able to hunt with three. So when he was talking later in the show about being out there, he was saying. In fact, they were up in the. I think what he was saying is they were up in the hills and here. He heard the roar of one, and he heard the roar of two, and then the next thing you know, you know, there might have been a third one. I get where he was going with it, and with a single, when you have a single shot, twelve gauge shotgun, you can only load one shell, you know, put it back together and blow it off, do it all over again. So if if you have, you know, if you have multiple things happening, it's not it's not a very comfortable situation. So that's why he backed out of there. Why he was out there when he has a semi, which I don't get either. Why he was out there with the semi, uh, with a, a single shot, uh, twelve gauge shotgun when he made early, uh, when he made the comment earlier when he was out there with the semi-auto, twelve gauge shotgun with no choke in it with five rounds. I don't know. I, I I don't know. That's neither here nor there. But uh, if I had the choice, making one a shotgun that holds one shell or five shells, I'm taking one of those five shells. So, anyways, yeah, yeah, I thought. Um, I guess to answer your question, Tony, um, not that a watermelon is really comparable, but a watermelon at 15 yards and what he, you know, the the 12 gauge, there's nothing, there's not going to be anything left of that watermelon. Jungle juice. I mean, be nothing left. And I realize that's not completely a great comparison between someone's head and, uh, but to give you an idea, there wouldn't be much left of the water. Like what he says, you probably have juice and that's about it. Here, I'll play a little clip of the uh, audio that he recorded.
What did he use to record that with? Yeah, I think it was his phone because he sent it to me over Facebook and it came in video format. So I had to download the video, transfer it to audio. Uh, so I'm assuming it was with his phone. That's a pretty good I'm, recording. Yeah, it, well, it sounded close. It sounded close. The, uh, the second one, the long howl, to me, that sounded real close because he actually, if you listen to the audio, it cuts in before or after the howl already started. And it carries for about 15 seconds after that till it ends. And then you hear him cut the, the phone out. Now, when he's out there uh, recording this audio, he said that he was rolling. He, wa- he wasn't going to turn around because he didn't have a gun on him at that time. And so I think there's context to be taken here when it comes to the idea that um, of, of when he has a gun out there and what he's carrying. Because, he, like, I, you know, all things point to the idea that he hates these things and he doesn't want anything to do with them. He's not researching them. Well, may, you know, I think maybe he's starting to a little bit because he does talk about how he now wants to get proof so that people stop thinking he's crazy. And that's why he took the audio and he referenced it took like a year to get that audio. And now he wants to get video of it. Um, but uh, no, I, to answer your question, <laughs> that is a long way. Uh, I think it was with his phone. I think it was with his phone. <laughs> you, sound, you sound like me now. You sound like Woody tonight. <laughs> We're drinking some water. Yeah. No. I. I, I you guys get... start talking, and I'm like, well, "What was the question? I don't remember what the question was." It's like a politician, you know, like when you ask Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump or any oh, of the you ask a politician a question, and you're like, "Stop it!" You forgot what you. <laughs> I'm just giving you crap. Oh, yeah. yeah. No. It's um. I. Yeah, it's it's probably one, and I don't think this will be his last time shooting one. So here's the thing. So, so here's the thing. Going back to the recording, okay. So this is what I got out of the recording. First of all, it was probably one of the better recordings I've ever heard because you not only hear one, you hear multiple, which is really cool. And number two, in the background, you can actually he's already telling you what this is what it is. This is Bigfoot. This is this is what I hear every night. These. These are the red. These are the red furry things that that you know that screw up my honey and screw up everything. This is what I hear every night, and and you can hear it in his voice. He is he was he's definitely pissed off at these things for pissing him off, right? So the thing I got about it out of the recording, and here I'm being long long winded again, but if you listen to it, you can hear the crickets. You can hear the natural sounds of being outdoors. Outdoors on a quiet property you hear all those natural sounds and if you listen to it really close you hear the crickets in the background background you hear uh, maybe a little bit of wind and stuff like that so to me that really emphasized on how true the recording probably is and it's one of the better ones i've heard that lung capacity that that thing was packing was some serious lung capacity too i mean to carry that that power behind it for so long um i don't know that that's some serious size. And I asked him because the first clip I played was the three different howls going off at one time. He sent that to me maybe a week or a week and a half, two weeks before we did the interview. And I told him, I said, well, from whatever, whatever I heard before, as far as, you know, Bigfoot howls, especially the Ohio howl, you know, it sounds very similar. And I said, however, there's gonna be a lot of people that if they hear that, they're going to say, they're going to want to write it off as cows. And I just told him that because, you know, that's just fact. People are going to, you know, people who just want to dismiss everything and don't really want to admit something is true. They want to find the first 
reasonable explanation and cows would be that. And so I talked to him about that and he told me, he said, there's no cows around here. He's like, there's no cows around here. And so that, that said, I think that kind of eliminates the idea that it could be cows on his property. Yeah, that didn't sound like cows to me. It didn't me either. It was too long. I've never heard a cow hold something like that out that long and that loud right. without much, without with that much diaphragm. Yeah, I, I really haven't. Yeah, and when you listen to those those two recordings, you can hear the similarities between the two. Like, I mean, obviously the first one has three, the second one has one, but the the sounds that you're hearing are very similar. And when you listen to those compared to the Ohio how, I mean, it sounds like the same creature to me. What do you guys think? I don't know, man. <laughs> I think you got to be damn careful out there, especially after picking one off. As far as the sounds go, yeah, it does sound a lot like the Ohio Howl sound, um, the audio that was captured. Actually, here's a clip. Here's the uh, Ohio Howl. Okay, now we're back. <laughs> back. <laughs> and we're back. And take three. <laughs> take ten. Yeah, take ten. <laughs> yeah, but everyone's heard the Ohio howl, but there is a lot of similarities between the two. I just hope he's careful. Um, I've never had, of, I haven't had too many situations with people shooting them, but the ones that have said they did kill one, that makes sense. It's going to sound like you two. Uh, anyway, the... Uh, <laughs> The um, uh, it, so what do you think? It never turns out well. Yeah, do you think you do you really buy that he he shot one? What yeah, do you think? I do. I do too. I do. What do you think? Yeah, Tony? so do I. I'm yeah, not taking absolutely. over here, but what do you think? Yeah, no, it's fine. I mean, this is a mutual conversation. Uh, no, I absolutely believe him, and I, I'm I'm my own worst critic. So when I tell you I know him gullible, I really do know him gullible, uh, and so that's why it's important to me to get second and third opinions, and that's why I let you guys listen to the show before I even aired it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh no i definitely do believe i definitely do believe him uh and like how we're discussing just the the details that went into it and the you know it's like a the interview was like an organized chaos in a sense where <laughs> absolutely it was, it was, it was yeah. like sporadic like we were going back and forth back and forth and yeah and you could hear in his you could hear his thought processes going from one topic to another and then when we rewind he would pick up where he left off and finish his details or remember details and and, and correct himself and to me now, like I said, I'm, I'm just a stupid truck driver. I turn a wheel and push pedals for a living. That's what I do, you know? Well, you're probably but, the smartest guy in the room currently. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, when, I, when I hear him do that kind of thing, uh, for me, it lended authenticity. And uh, this is information that if you kind of put it all together, at least on my end, it helps too. So earlier this year, uh, I received some audio from a researcher who has a Bigfoot group in South Ohio. Um, I'm blanking on the name of the group. It's called a Southeastern Ohio Bigfoot Society, or I forget, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but it's run by a, a guy named Doug Waller. And I met Doug Waller at um, a, a speaking engagement that I did earlier this year. And we were talking, and he said, and actually he played an audio during his lecture. And that lecture 
he's playing this audio and it sounded like the Ohio how. And I was really impressed by it because it, it was so, so clear. And so I got to talking to him about it and he sent me the audio because he wanted it transferred into video format so he could post it online and things like that. Well, long story short, he, I get permission to post the audio on my YouTube channel. And so I share it with a lot of people and people really enjoyed the audio because it's very clear. And it sounded like what Brian sent me. It sounded like Ohio how, and this audio was recorded in Salt Fork State Park in Ohio. And so I have, you have this guy who, his name is Mike, by the way, that sent Doug this audio earlier this year in April. You got Brian sending me audio that sounds very similar uh, from South Ohio in in the same year. And then I have another guy that sent me audio and he still, actually, he sent me two more emails today that I haven't even had a chance to open up. He sent me more audio today of these howls that he's getting in Southern Ohio. And so in one year, I've had three different people come to me with their own audio of these howls in Ohio. And so when I have Brian coming to me and saying, here, I have these howls too, and I put one down a few years ago. For me, it's like, okay, this guy's really seeing these things. He's really hearing these things. So why would I, why would I not believe that he put one down when he's telling this story and it's very convincing? I don't know why you're yelling. I mean, we're just... <laughs> We're trying to. <laughs> you don't be an like, asshole. Oh, We're just having a conversation here. <laughs> I get passionate sometimes. I'm sorry. No, I. Um, what was the question? <laughs> Do I believe him? <laughs> oh yeah, no, I absolutely, absolutely. See how easy that was. Yeah. <laughs> Man of short words. And, no, Antonio, I, I get what you're saying. You have other. You have other people backing up. Uh, you know, uh, the, the same type of things that Brian's having. They're having reports of the howling you've heard, uh, and you're saying that you probably possibly have uh, other stuff in your email based on, you know, what Brian sent you that could match somewhat of the same sound type of description. I get it, man. I get it. And I'm not calling it. I think, I think, I think Brian is spot on on a lot of things. And even like, you know, when he even talked about, uh, and I know I'm kind of back, backpedaling, may, might be repeating a little bit, but, uh, when he talked about, you know, the, the people that showed up or the gentlemen that showed up in the, the black SUVs with the, uh, with the badge around the neck and on a necklace and stuff like that, you know, everything that he had said makes sense. And then when he, he even went, you know, you talked to him a little bit later about that and he brought it up again. He says, Oh, okay, well, this is actually what they said almost verbatim. Um, he doesn't have time. I don't care how smart you are. This guy, this guy had a story. He might not have had the whole story based on the first question, but the second question come around, it, it matched. And you don't have time to make stuff like that up. So, uh, it was a, it was a great encounter. The guy had a great encounter. I thought it was interesting. He was talking about how uh, they're apes. He never said people. He never said. Um, he said gorilla, didn't he, Tony? During the after when you asked him, he did. Yeah, he he described it as some kind of American gorilla. You know. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. How he doesn't see them as people, and it's funny when you're talking to him about the woo. I was like that. I was like, you got to know your audience. This guy isn't, this isn't the man you start asking woo questions to. (laughs) He's like, what? What, What's the woo? Yeah, but it was, you know, and he said he'd never experienced anything paranormal. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't go on. I'm just saying in this guy's case, it didn't go on and and he shot it. My mom was running there because the reason why I asked him that was because 
I, at that point in the in the interview, I'm sold. I believe that he saw what he saw. And I wanted to ask him that because there's so many people out there that say that they see these things disappear. And I wanted to see if he saw anything that could resemble such an idea. And he actually did confirm that. He, he did say that they, these things move so fast and so, in, in, in such a way that he could see how people would think that they would disappear. Now, I'm not saying that people who see, say they've seen them disappear or anything like that are lying or you know misidentifying what's really going on they very well might have seen what they saw but i'm just saying from his perspective you know he actually did confirm that you know he could see why people would think that yeah actually part of his answer, part of his answer was when you asked him that he said based uh, he didn't really say the word environment but based on the word envi- their environment and where they're at in the woods he said they have the ability to move very fast and i could see but almost word for word, he said, I can see how people would say that they could disappear. Now, do I believe that they are, and you brought up the, I don't know if it was a spiritual thing or what you said, but he said, uh, no, I don't think so. They're a flesh and blood creature, but they have the ability to move faster than anything we've ever seen. And and it makes sense, you know, makes sense. Yeah. You know, and another thing, uh, I think I told, I, t- I think I told you this, Wes, you know, this this guy, he's not a storyteller. And people who, like, and this is not a this is not anything against him, but you know, after you interview a lot of people, you kind of get a rhythm, and you you can tell people they they've been sitting on a story for a long time, they've been wanting to tell their story, and when they have the opportunity, they really do tell their story. They want to get the details out. They really want to share what they experienced and describe it in a way that other people really truly walk away understanding where they came from. And he is just not like that. He, he's just like, like I said earlier, he's very matter of fact about things. And that's why I think he got into the, the nitty gritty details so early in the, in the show. I mean, ideally, if as the interviewer, ideally, you'd like a little bit of a buildup, you know, leading to the point where I blew its head off. But <laughs> I mean, I think, <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, it's, all the details, all the details came out after he kind of yeah. exposed that. He was uh, awesome. We're, we're, we're like five minutes in the interview and he's like, I killed it. Yeah. You know? And, and that was my third encounter, you know, yeah. so that was my third I, I was busting up at that part where he goes, I blew, what do you say? He goes, I blew its face off. No, I blew his damn face off. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. And then, and then there's like a 10 second pause and he goes, and that was my third encounter. Yeah. I was just like, I lost it right there, man. I mean, I, I realize it's a serious show and stuff, but right. he is, you're right. He's not, um, I believe him. I, I, I truly do believe him. Um, and I just hope that he's careful out there on that property. Uh, these things tend to be vengeful uh, and have revenge in their heart. I, I've talked to too yeah. many people that have had them on their property, and something like this happens, and things get really, really bad. He thought they were bad before. Well, now they're, it gets 100 times worse. I would have loved to have seen. I wish you would have taken pictures of of the um, the body. I know some of the questions on the Sasquatch Chronicles uh, website, they were, you know, they were saying, "Well, why no pictures?" This it, guy's a country boy, man. Yeah, I mean, and that's it. That's and exactly. He can it. explain everything. I don't hunting. I, I don't see him yeah. breaking out a camera, and you know, he was very. I didn't have one on him. Even if exactly. he did, I don't know that he would. He probably didn't have a cell phone on him. To be honest yeah. with you. Yeah, I mean, he's that. T- if you're out there and he's talking about hunting the way that he did. He ain't got no, he yeah, ain't got no right. damn cell phone, <laughs> right? And and here's the thing about here's the thing about Brian too is he didn't overtell the story, 
Brian just came out and said, hey, this thing pissed me off. It was in front of me. I blowed his damn head off. And then he went in further with the, with the interview and talking about, hey, there's more out there. I've had more, I've had more encounters. But the guy's yeah. for real, man, right? Yeah, and Wes, you, you mentioned about how these things can, you know, want to retaliate. And, you know, he shot this thing back in 2013. So that's four years ago, right? Yeah, four years ago. And, you know, I wonder if that kind of led to his attitude during the show, because in four years, no doubt he's had these encounters with them. He's heard them. And, you know, like that one, the second recording, I mean, for me, it sounded pretty darn close to where he was. And so I wonder if these things have been showing amp- vamping up their aggression towards him. And maybe that's why he just comes across so much more hateful four years later towards this thing. Like it's the way he was talking. It sounded like he killed this thing yesterday. Like he was just yeah. so mad at him. Yeah. And I wonder if, you know, maybe that it's just wearing him down. It could be. It could be. It's hard to say. I think it's based on hunting. He had made the comment in the interview about how he goes out there and plants beans and he plants uh, turnips and he plants all this stuff and he doesn't even tend to the garden. It's it's for it's for the deer, you know, so he can hunt. Uh, and I and I think what it is is these things are messing up his his population of deer, and that's why he's so pissed off. That's that's my opinion. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I wanted to ask you both this. Um, and I don't really know how to ask this question other than just present the, the idea out there. A lot of people say that these things, you can't kill them. A gun's not going to kill them. I've heard so many people on interviews say, yeah, you, you're not going to shoot this thing. It's not going to go down. So, you know, the, the vibe I'm sure people are getting right now is, well, you can't shoot these things and kill them. Now, when he says that he shot it in the face, how would that be any different for these people to maybe kind of grasp because um how i don't even know how to how to present this idea i mean i guess what i'm saying is i guess a lot of people feel like these things are almost invincible like they can't be taken down by a gun you need like an elephant gun or a bazooka to take it down uh but by shooting in the face is there any vulnerabilities that could present the situation for it to go down oh yeah i mean a headshot yeah I mean, you know, a lot of times with the girth of them, I think, you know, you shoot something off to the... Well, I don't even know, man. That close? It seems like you'd blow a hole just about into anything. Um, How does that answer your question? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I wanted to... uh, I just wanted to bring that up because when I was thinking about it all, you know, that was one of the questions that I knew was going to pop up in people's heads. Uh, Just the idea of killing a Bigfoot a lot of people walk around saying these things, you can't take these things down with any kind of normal gun. But when you're 15 yards away and you shoot it in the face, I mean, there's vulnerabilities in my mind on the face that, you know, like I can understand if somebody wants to say, uh, I shot it in its, in its chest and it just didn't do much. But I mean, you got eyeballs in the face and you, you penetrate the eyeball, that goes right in the brain, you know? Yeah, I think with these things, I think if you that he shot where he like what he said, the guy's a hunter. He knows what he's doing. Um, he shot it in the face, and I think a lot of times when you hear about the girth, the size of Sasquatch, um, that's why it seems like they're invincible at times. Because I've talked to people who claim to have shot them. The problem is we don't have evidence of that. That's the, the biggest problem. Is there's it's mainly just stories. Uh, but every encounter, you know, like the one in Virginia where the two Sasquatches, there was one in a tree. And it, it huffed at him, and then he shot it, and it fell, and there's blood. I mean, I've even had witnesses on the show that have, have claimed to have shot them. 
Um, definitely hurt them. There was blood. Uh, but I, I don't think that they're invincible. Well, I'll tell you my thought on it real quick. So basically this guy, is already, he's already convinced me that he's a master hunter. I mean, based on some of the stuff he said, based on uh, where he lives, the property that he lives on, uh, a lot of things he had said. So based on that, if people have seen a Bigfoot, the, by no means, if, if you have a gun, you're not going to – okay, look. So he, he had talked about the Bigfoot being nine feet tall, five feet wide, right? So something something that size at 100 yards and you shoot it, you're probably not – You're I mean, unless you have a big bore rifle, uh, even if you have a 30 odd 6 or, or uh, you have a 7mm or you have a – uh, you have anything else, you know, you, you're going to hit it, you pro- but you probably won't take it down. So that's where the, I think that's where the people get a little bit sideways because they feel like it's invincible. Well, this guy waited till it was 15 <laughs> yards and decided, how do you say it? Uh, pull the trigger or bust him and pull the trigger. So he's smart. He waited yeah. till the, the animal of that size became into reach of the weapon that he had. And decide to bust it. So that that almost kind of like verifies his story because you're not going to take a shot at a uh, Sasquatch or a Bigfoot at uh, 75 yards, uh, not even really 50 yards with it with a shotgun like that, and, and expect it to blow its face off. So he waited until it was in range, till he felt you know he was uncomfortable until he felt comfortable to take the shot, and that's I, I think that's what happened is because this guy's been around a little bit. That's some really good points. That's really good points, actually. The fact that he would wait until it's within range of what he had, um, yeah, showing that he knew what he was doing. It was an awesome interview, and the guy's awesome. He's probably one of the more entertaining guests I've heard. I definitely enjoyed listening to him, and uh, you did a great job with it, Tony. You should be proud of it, man. I appreciate that. I I, I uh, was hoping i didn't botch it but the uh when i got a chance to go back and listen to the interview because i knew during the interview it was kind of jumping all over the place and ideally that's not what i wanted but when i got a chance to go back and listen to it it actually flows well that way because that's just how he is as a person he kind of bounces around with his with what he's talking about wherever his mind goes and uh it just it worked out great i think and uh i hope everybody enjoys it uh as much as we did so i really appreciate you guys coming on yeah, and don't send uh, Tony hate mail because of it. <laughs> Save I, your breath. It was it yeah. was definitely one of the be- it was definitely one of the better interviews I've heard, and and real realistic. And I and I, I pretty much uh, believe everything uh, Brian had to say, except for the part of uh, um, uh, it charging him. I don't I don't know about all that, but anyways. Yeah, no, I thought it was awesome. I thought he was awesome, and um, yeah, great job. Cheers, fellas. Cheers. See you guys later. <laughs>